this is definitely an, an end of an era. Rutte has shaped Dutch politics for a very long time. Looking forward to the European elections in 2024, um, obviously migration and asylum are going to be on the agenda. Parties that tend to be uh, further to the right will be looking at questions of national identity. Hello and welcome to Reactive's Spin the Byline podcast. I am Evikiori, and this week we're delving into the collapse of the Dutch government over the migration law. Something that doesn't only signify the end of an era for the country's politics, but also highlights that migration has become one of the most pressing issues in EU politics in general. Dutch Prime Minister Mark Rutte tried to negotiate for months a package of measures to reduce the flow of new migrants arriving in the Netherlands. However, political infighting about caps on family reunification and creating a two-tier asylum has ended with him throwing in the towel. The collapse was really quite a surprise because the government has gone through many crises before and... Rutte and the VVD's aim in the past 13 years has always been to keep the governments going despite the many problems that the governments face. Maurits Meyers is professor of political science at the Radboud University in Nijmegen, Netherlands. The coalition, current coalition, which is the same as the previous coalition, has gone through many uh, problems before. Um, they, there is a, the, the, how they deal with the child benefits scandal, which Dutch tax authorities have been accused of racial profiling. Um, there is the nitrogen pollution crisis in which uh, farmers are, are, are forced to cut down on nitrogen pollution, um, which uh, also has led to the rise of the new party BBB, the farmer citizen movement. And the government ultimately fell over a disagreement within the coalition over restricting family reunification of asylum seekers, most of these being refugees from, from Syria. So it's about whether refugees from Syria are able to send their uh, uh, children to come and live with them um, in the Netherlands. And restricting this was not acceptable to the more left-leaning coalition partners, D66 and the Christian Union. Um, but really, the choice to bring the government to a collapse over this issue is at odds with Rutte and Vivedi's strategy to keep the governments going in previous uh, scandals and problems in the coalition. Statistics show that asylum application in the Netherlands jumped by a third last year to over 46,000. They are expected to increase to more than 70,000 this year, topping the previous high from 2015. Rutte's proposal on migration included creating a two classes of asylum, a temporary one for people fleeing conflicts and a permanent one for people escaping persecution. He also planned to reduce the number of family members allowed to join asylum seekers inside the country, seeking to make families wait two years before they could reunite. Both Ruta's Forum for Democracy, VVD Party, and the Christian Democrat Appeal, CDA, wanted to adopt these tough measures, yet the center-left D66 and Christian Union parties opposed to them. And like this, their ideological differences led to cracks beyond repair. So the Netherlands has seen an increase in the number of immigrants in the last few years, and this is uh, also why the VVD pushed this issue. Their their, um, members um, have really voiced quite clearly that they that they want a stricter policy that they want their party to 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 be this voice in the coalition government 
And this is why the government, uh, why the VVD pushed for this. But on the specific issue uh, of, of immigration, many experts actually argue that most migrants are EU migrants, um, which is not something the Dutch government could do anything about. And that migration from family reunification for asylum seekers is just very a small percentage of that total and of that increase. So it really seems that the VVD has pushed this issue strategically to bring the government to a collapse. Um, and I think everybody thought that the ostensible goal of this is to, well, first of all, pander to their VVD supporters, uh, but also to try to form a more right-wing government after new elections. Migration has been a hot issue across the European Union for years and was the final stumbling block that brought down Ruta's government on Friday night. And one might even argue that it has become a deadlock, with the EU struggling to come with concrete, agreeable plans. When people talk about migration um, these days, they, they very often do mean irregular arrivals across the Mediterranean. But that's really just one very small part of migration into the EU. Dr. Amanda Klekowski von Kompenfels is reader in Migration and Politics at the University of Kent. Um, so just to put things into context, um, in 2021, the last year for which we have complete data, 2.3 million non-EU citizens came into the EU. And in that same year, 67,000 are known to have crossed the Mediterranean. So that's something that when we think about what we mean by migration, um, we can also think about the 24 million non-EU citizens who were living in the EU at the end of 2021. And so that's something that I think that there really is a narrative around what migration, and I'll put that in quotation marks, means. And so it encompasses a great deal more than arrivals across the Mediterranean. And so that's something that, that I think we really do need to think about. Um, and I think that EU countries have gotten deadlocked on a misunderstanding around migration. Um, there are many concerns, but they're based on faulty assumption. Where one of the big stumbling blocks is right now um, is the, the Dublin um, Convention Agreement. Um, and that is something that says that um, people who want to file a claim for refugee status must do so in the first country in which they have arrived. And what that does is it places a great deal of pressure on Italy and Greece. Um, and that is something that, that does need to be addressed. And that's where one of the big stumbling blocks is right now. One of the questions has been about uh, what's been called burden sharing or responsibility sharing. And that would be a distribution plan where not refugees, but people who want to file a refugee claim would be distributed around the EU. And I'll just clarify on that because the Everyone has the right under international law to file a claim to be recognized as a refugee. No one has a right to have that claim recognized. And that's a really important distinction because within the EU, when people are talking about redistributing people who are wanting to file the claim, it's still up to the individual EU member state to decide on that claim. The collapse of the Dutch government sends a powerful message and it raises questions about the approach of the migration issue on an EU level. As we approach the upcoming European elections, migration seems poised to be a hot-button issue. But what could we expect in that respect? Let me just say a minute about what the EU does legislate and what it does not legislate around migration. Um, the European Commission does not legislate around citizenship. It does not legislate around how many migrants a country must accept. That is not something um, that any European institution would ever 
uh, request, require, or demand of an EU country. It does legislate around trafficking. It does legislate around asylum. It does legislate around family unification, around integration, around um, the acceptance of migrants, around qualifications, um, and all of these issues are, are around it. Looking forward to the European elections in 2024, I think that there are a number of things that we can expect. Um, obviously, migration and asylum are going to be on the agenda, but there are a lot of other issues that, that are going to be on the agenda at the same time. Um, these are things like energy, um, war in Ukraine, um, data privacy. Um, a lot of, a lot of those, those issues will, will be key also. But when we think about migration and asylum, um, it's going to be a question of thinking about migration in its entirety. Um, and that will be something that parties that tend to be uh, further to the right will be looking at questions of national identity, um, will be thinking about um, security in a number of, of senses. Uh, parties that are further on the left um, or center left will be thinking about uh, protection of human rights and about the benefits to migration. Um, and there are many benefits to migration in the EU. Um, the European Union has an aging population. It has a shrinking population. It needs migration. It needs migration in terms of jobs, in terms of contributing to the social security system, in terms of caregiving for that aging population. And I think that's something that it's going to depend how the center left versus the center right and the right um, frame the narrative over the next year. You're listening to Euractiv's Spin the Byline podcast. Subscribe to our podcast newsletter on euractiv.com slash newsletters. And if you want to expand your knowledge in other fields, you can listen to our tech, agri-food and health podcast. And if you have any comments or ideas, you can drop a line at podcast at euractiv.com. And precisely, it was the fight between the centre-right and the centre-left what pushed the Dutch government to its collapse. For Dutch politics, this is definitely the end of an era. After 13 years of being in the spotlight, nicknamed Teflon Mark, for surviving scandals that hit his four governments, said he would bow out after the elections. Ruta's current government will remain in power as a caretaker administration until a new coalition is formed, but will not pass major new laws. This is definitely an, an end of an era. Uh, Lutte has shaped Dutch politics for a very long time. Um, also, the way of doing politics, often um, with close personal contact, uh, contacts with, with every uh, party leader across the, across the aisle as well, has really marked Lutte's, uh, Lutte's uh, prime ministership. And, it's also very surprising that Rutte announced that he was leaving politics because, um, as I said before, Rutte really always tried to cling to power even um, after severe scandal. So only in 2021, Rutte narrowly survived a motion of no confidence after being accused of, of, of lying uh, about uh, very politically sensitive issues. So, um, so it's, a, it, it's a surprise that uh, after a, a fall of the government, which seemed to be very strategic on a migration issue, um, the VVD is actually um, now in a, in a worse shape than it was before it, the government fell over, and which was its own decision. The news of Rutte's departure was met with varied reactions, casting doubts on the future of his coalition. 
The VVD's future is also very uncertain. There's not a clear successor the last few years. We don't really have seen anyone who's really stepping up. Klaus Dijkhoff used to be uh, the number two, but he left politics. Um, Sophie Hermans is just the, the, the leader, the fraction leader of the party in parliament, um, could be an option, but she's not seen by all as, a, as, a, as, as the ideal candidate. The Dutch uh, Turkish uh, uh, Minister of Justice, Dilan Yezogus, she is uh, really uh, seen maybe as the best, more the most probable candidate. She's taking a very strong right-wing approach to migration, but it's also not clear that she could carry the party during an intense campaign because we have not seen that from her before. As the political machinery of the Netherlands readjusts, speculation regarding upcoming elections has intensified. But who could emerge as a winner in this reshuffled deck? So the elections will likely be held mid-November this year. And this is really going to be an exciting time for Dutch politics because the cards are really shuffled anew. So if we look at the different relevant parties, so for the VVD, they have a party, but they don't have a leader. And it's really, it remains to be seen who that leader is and if this leader will be able to galvanize support around her or his persona. So the, the BBB, the Farmer Citizen Movement, this new party that became the largest party in the recent provincial elections, um, led by Caroline van der Plas. She, so she, they have a leader in Ms. van der Plas, but they don't really have a party. Um, it's a very new party uh, with not a strong basis. So the party will really have to convince voters that they can professionalize in a short period of time to be a real alternative to the ruling party. So they have a leader, but not really have a party. Um, D66, um, they became second in the previous 20, uh, previous elections in 2021 after a good campaign. Um, they have had to make some tough choices and have to accept some tough compromises in the coalition. Uh, and uh, many people who voted for them rather for uh, left-wing parties such as the Green Left and the Labour Party um, will not be happy with many of the decisions that they made and um, and the decision to stray from that platform with these compromises. Remains to be seen whether they can actually do that. Now for the left-wing parties, the Green Left and the Labour Party, the PPDA, they are now conducting referendums among their members if they should run on a joint list. And this would bring a merging of the two parties closer. Um, And if we look at the current polls, the joint Green Left PPDA list, might well be the biggest party in the November elections, but also they have difficult leadership decisions to make. From which party will this uh, leader be? That's, that is not clear. Um, and so it's going to be a very exciting time for Dutch politics, and um, yeah, we'll just have to wait and see. Thank you very much. I am Evi Kiori, and this was your Active Spin the Byline podcast. Visit your Active to stay on top of the latest news. And if you haven't subscribed to the podcast, you can do so on your favorite podcasting app. Thank you for tuning in, and until next week.